Turn in your Bible to John chapter 3. John, the third chapter. I suppose the most basic chapter in all the Bible is the third chapter of John. If there were one chapter that would be wise to get acquainted with, it would be the third chapter of John or the third chapter of Romans. Two basic passages. Let's remember in prayer the other services that are going on in this building at this time. Our junior service, the primary service, the preschool service, and of course the nursery. Pray for these various services. May we bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now that the Holy Spirit of God will speak to us from the Word. May we be aware of what God would say to us personally. May we hear beyond the words of the preacher. May we hear the voice of Jesus. We thank Thee for the music that has moved our hearts. We pray now that the Holy Spirit will arrest our attention and focus it upon Christ. And may anyone in this place who has never received Jesus as Savior and Lord turn to Him, come to know Him personally as Lord and Savior. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, nor whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now look at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The book of John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
Without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was the life, and that him is Jesus. A little bit later in that same chapter, John the Baptist is out preaching in the wilderness, the jungle Jordan, and he interrupts his preaching as he sees the Son of God coming. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. That Lamb of God, Jesus. Two of John's disciples, Andrew and another one who wrote this little book called John, turned and began to follow Jesus. They went with him as two of his first disciples. They found in Jesus the answer to their heart cry. For the 2,000 years since the birth of Christ, every man, woman, boy, or girl who has come to Christ has found in him the answer to their hunger, to their thirst, to their need. There was a man who heard about this. He had heard about Jesus feeding 5,000 people. He had heard about Jesus touching blind eyes and causing them to see, and touching lame limbs, causing them to walk again. He had heard about Jesus interrupting funeral processions and raising dead people to life, and he wanted to know more about Jesus. Now, this man was a very busy man. He was busy because he was a leader among the Jewish Sanhedrin. His name, Nicodemus. Nicodemus came one night for an appointment with Jesus. I believe he came at night because he was so busy in the day, and Jesus, though he was exhausted, always had time for someone who came with a soul thirst. He still has that time. If you are here today, or within the sound of our voice, and you have a hunger in your heart, you have a thirst in your soul, Jesus is the answer to that hunger. He is the answer to that thirst. Nicodemus said, <clears throat> Sir, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. Now, Nicodemus made a mistake here. He said, Jesus, you're a teacher come from God. If I am true to my calling, I am a teacher come from God. But Jesus was God come to teach. And Nicodemus didn't understand that at the time. And so he said, you're a teacher come from God. Nobody could do what you're doing except God be with him. And Jesus, rather than dialogue with John or with Nicodemus, Jesus turned to him and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Somebody has said, well, it looked like Jesus changed the subject here. He didn't really answer the question that Nicodemus posited. You know, the Lord often did that. Many times when people would come to Jesus with a question, he looked beyond their question to the questioner. He looked beyond their words to their heart, and he still does that. Sometimes we come and say, Lord, I need this or I need that. And the Lord looks beyond those words to our soul 
And if we're open to him, he'll give us what we need, not so much what we ask. Well, Jesus didn't accept the compliment that Nicodemus gave. He just turned the words around and he said, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot comprehend, he cannot understand the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now you see, Nicodemus was trying to figure out the miracle. He didn't understand. He was trying to explain the miracle. And Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, you can't explain the miracle until you yourself become part of that miracle. There's no way you can comprehend it until you're willing to open your life and let this miracle happen in you. With all of that in mind, we want today to see the message, the meaning, the method, and the miracle of the new birth. The most basic chapter in all the Bible, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why is this? Because of the universal depravity of man. Nicodemus was a good man, as good men go. On the outside, he was polished up. He was a leader among the church, the Jewish church of his day. He did not curse. He did not drink. He did not swear. He did not commit adultery. He was faithful to his home. What more could you ask? And so Nicodemus said, Lord, I detect something in you that I need. You see, there are people today who don't drink, they don't curse, they don't commit adultery, and yet they still have a hunger. There's still something missing deep in their lives. There's still a missing something, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and they don't have the answers to life. Nicodemus was like that. And Jesus said, what you really need, Nicodemus, is to be born again. You need to start life over again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Moral behavior is not enough. Life just has to start all over again. It's as if you were having to come to a point in life where you said, I have lived up to this moment and with all of the things that have been accomplished in my life to this moment, none of them really satisfies that hunger and gnawing thirst in my soul. I need something else. Jesus said, when you come to that point, then there's hope for you. But as long as you're satisfied with yourself, as long as you're satisfied with what you have, with what you are, there's no hope. But when you come to a point of utter dissatisfaction and you need something you don't have, then there's hope for you. The message, you must be born again. The meaning, how can these things be, Nicodemus said. Can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. <clears throat> now Nicodemus didn't have any idea what Jesus meant. He said, do you mean I have to become a little baby and enter my mother's womb and be born all over again? Is that what you're talking about? The Lord said, no, Nicodemus, I'm talking about two births. You've had that birth. That's the water birth. The Greek poets of that day were familiar with the phrase, born of the water. This was a term that was used to refer to the first birth, the physical birth. Though they did not have the technology and the know-how that we have now, everybody had observed that before the birth of a baby, there was the burst of water. And many times, medical doctors referred to this as the water birth. And the Greek poets of the day in which John wrote this and the day in which Jesus lived referred to the physical birth as the water birth. And Jesus said, you have to be born that way. That's how you got here. There's not anybody here that didn't get here that way. Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, every one of us has been born of the flesh. But Nicodemus, you need something more than that. You need to be born of the Spirit. There needs to be a spiritual awakening inside of you. Except a man be born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Jesus is talking about two different births. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. Verse 5 says, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Well, this is really interesting, Nicodemus is sort of saying. I have to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? I think Jesus was implying to him some things and maybe teaching a parable about the first birth. He says, Nicodemus, do you know that when you were first born, the first birth you had was a definite experience? Wouldn't it be foolish to say to you today, when were you born? And you say, well, I don't know when I was born. I don't know. I was just born. I guess I was just hatched. I don't know when I was born. Wouldn't that be foolish? Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl within the sound of my voice today, you know when you were born. Now, I'll tell you how you know it. Your mom or dad told you. You don't remember much about it. But somebody told you and you believed them, right? You took their word for it. You believed them. I was born June 13, 1930. Now, I believe my parents when they say that. Now, when I got ready to go overseas and needed a passport, uh, the officials wouldn't take the word of my mouth. They wouldn't even take the word of my parents. I had to have a birth certificate. And so I sent to Frankfurt. And here came a birth certificate, and lo and behold, it said the very same thing that my mother and dad had always said. I was born June 13, 1930. That's the day I got here. Now, I know when I was born. Everyone in this room knows when you were born. It's a definite experience. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the new birth is just as definite. The new birth, 
When you're born into the kingdom of God, it's just as definite experience as the first time you were born. Wouldn't it be strange to say, when were you born? Oh, I don't know, I've always been here. You say, well, what's wrong with that guy? Something cuckoo upstairs. But I've said to people, when were you born again? When were you saved? They say, well, I've always been a Christian. No, you don't always be a Christian. There has to be a beginning date. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, what you need is to be born into the kingdom of God. You need a beginning date. You need to be born all over again because the new birth is a definite experience. If you've not had a definite experience, then you're not saved. If you've not saved, then you're not on your way to heaven. You're not part of God's family. You see, the Bible tells us that only those who are born into the kingdom of God are God's family. Somebody will say, but are we not all, were we not all created by God? Sure. The snakes, the lions, the tigers, the elephants, the cows, the horses, and people, all of us are creatures of God. But you wouldn't say that a snake is part of God's family. You wouldn't say that a cow or a horse or a mule is part of God's family. Just so, a man who has never been born again, the Bible says, is not part of God's family until you're born again, until you're born into the family of God. You must be born again, Jesus said. Now, secondly, the new birth is instantaneous. It is an experience that is instantaneous. Now, the conviction may have been over a long period of time, but the new birth itself occurs instantaneously. It happens just like that. You were not born again on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, June 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, or in October and November and December. You were born again on a certain date, just like you were born the first time. You were born the first time at a certain date, a certain hour, and the doctor is very careful to put down when that happened and how long you were and how much you weighed and all of those statistics because it's an important event when a person is born. So it is when a person is born again. It is an important event. It is the most important spiritual event in a man's whole life, the day that he's born again. You need to remember it. I encourage people to write in the front of their Bible the date they were born again. The day they get saved, write down where you were, uh, what the date was, because that is the most important event in your life up to this date. You must be born again. It is an instantaneous experience. Thirdly, it is a spiritual experience and it is wrought out within. The new birth is not something that happens to the outside, it's something that happens to the inside. It is not something that they do to you, it is something that Jesus does to you on the inside of your heart. It is not a matter of quitting a whole lot of sins and being baptized 
and having somebody initiate you into a church. To be born again is to have Jesus come to live in your heart, inside of you. By faith, you receive the living Spirit of Jesus into your heart, and He comes in, begins to abide inside, and little by little by little, all of the other is sloughed off. The outside sins of the flesh, and little by little, you grow into the image and likeness of Christ. Somebody said, Dr. Summerfield, where were you born? He said, I was born in Dublin and Livermore. I was born the first time in Dublin. I was born the second time in Livermore. Somebody said, D.L. Moody, tell us your testimony. He said, I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the Spirit in 1854. I don't know when the flesh will die, but the Spirit is immortal. It will never die. Have you been born again? That's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. Have you been born again? Now, fourthly, the new birth is a lasting experience. It is an experience that lasts forever. How many times did you get born the first time? You just needed to be born one time into your mother and dad's family. You didn't have to be born several times into your mother's family. You were born once. So it is in the family of God. You're born again into God's family one time. Not many times. I've heard people say, well, I was saved in June, and then I was saved in August, and then I was saved in 1960, and then I was saved in 1970. Something wrong somewhere. You see, the new birth is a lasting experience. Just as your first birth was a lasting experience, you had enough of a birth when you first got here to do you the rest of your life. And when you get saved, that's the second birth. And that second birth is sufficient to get you into heaven because it's being born into God's family. You take, for instance, a little caterpillar. You watch that little woolly caterpillar, and they tell me that the caterpillars this year have been, had thicker fur on them because they were going to have a cold winter. But that caterpillar will crawl around for a while in all of his beauty and ugliness. I don't know anybody wants to have a caterpillar flying around on your, I mean, uh, climbing around on your shoulder, on your arm. But anyway, you take this caterpillar and watch him. After a while, he goes off somewhere, maybe climbs up on a tree limb or somewhere, and, and there's a cocoon formed around that caterpillar. That cater cocoon, that caterpillar stays inside that cocoon for a while. And then after a while, that cocoon bursts open. What comes out? What comes out of that cocoon? A butterfly. No more caterpillar. He's a butterfly now. And a beautiful butterfly. And that butterfly can never again become a caterpillar. That's an illustration of the new birth. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ and Christ comes to live inside of you, you never again will be a child of the devil. You'll be God's child because Jesus has come to claim you. He comes to live inside of your heart. 
You're his. He is yours forever and forever. That's the reason Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, think for a moment of the method of the new birth. The method of the new birth. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? I don't understand this. How can these things be? And Jesus said, hey, Nicodemus, look at the wind. You see it out there? Nicodemus looked and looked and looked, and he said, no, I don't see the wind. Have you ever seen the wind? You've seen the results of the wind. You've seen the leaves pile up. You've seen the snow drifts. But you've never seen the wind. Jesus said, the new birth is like that. You cannot see it. It is an invisible experience. It's something that happens in the spiritual sphere. It is not a physical, tangible something. Now, if baptism were the new birth, that would be physical. That wouldn't be like the wind. You can put a person down underwater and bring him up on a or you can sprinkle water on him. If that is the new birth, then that's physical. It is not spiritual. Jesus said the new birth is like the wind. You cannot see it. You can see the effects of it, but you cannot see it. And Nicodemus said again, how can these things be? Well, Jesus gave the second method. He said, not only is it the wind, is it like the wind, and incidentally, the word for wind in the original Greek is pneuma, which means the same as spirit. And so, the new birth is in the spiritual sphere. And it's the Holy Spirit who brings the person to the point of new birth. The Holy Spirit is, is the one, is the agency of the new birth. He does something within our soul to make us alive to God. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, nobody can be saved. And then secondly, he speaks of the Word. Look in verse 14. Nicodemus says, uh, Jesus says, Nicodemus, do you remember the story of Moses in the wilderness? The Jews were sinning against God. And God never allows sin to be dealt with lightly. The soul that sinneth it shall die. The wages of sin is death. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. Nicodemus, do you remember the story of those Jews sinning against God in the wilderness? God allowed a poisonous plague of snakes to come on the Jews. And many of the Jews were dying from the snake bites. And they came to Moses and said, Moses, pray for us. And Moses prayed. And God said, Moses, you make a brass image of a serpent. Put it up on a post way out in the wilderness. You come back and say to those Jews, when you're bitten by a snake, if you look up at this brass image of a snake and believe my word that if you look, you'll not die. Those snakes won't kill you. So Moses made the brass image of a snake and he put it up on a post way out in the wilderness. He came back and said to the Jews, when you're bitten by a snake, if you'll look, just look up at this brass image, just look. And the moment you look, you'll be healed. Some of them said, I don't feel like looking today. And they died. Others said, well, there must be more to it than looking up there. I'm going to do the best I can. And they died. Some of them said, well, I think I'll go down here to the river and I'll baptize my snake bite. And I'll get it washed or clean. And they died. But some of them said, you know, I don't understand it. But Moses said that God said, if I just look, 
just look. That seems silly. But if I just look and believe God, if I looked, those snakes won't kill me. I'm going to do it. And they looked. And the moment they looked, they were healed. Jesus said, Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on a cross that whosoever will look to him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the answer to the new birth. It is impossible to be born again without the Holy Spirit pointing to Jesus and the Word of God revealing Jesus. And when we see Jesus and we believe that what he did when he died on that cross in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that he was God in the flesh, and we believe upon him to take our sins in his own body. He who knew no sin became the accursed thing, the thing of sin for us. And we put our trust and faith in him. Then he saves us. And he has the power to do this because after a little while when Jesus was dead on that cross and they took him down from that. Three days later, something happened. Jesus came out of that grave alive, never to die again. Now there had been other people who had been raised from the dead. Someone says, yes, but every one of them had to die again. Jesus raised Lazarus. Over in the Old Testament, when Elisha was dead, somebody threw another body in on his bones and that body became alive again. But all of those had to die. But the Bible says when Jesus was raised from the dead, he never died again. And he is alive. And today, he is at the right hand of the Father. And anyone who will come to Jesus by God, anybody who will come receiving Christ as Savior, can be saved and will live forever. Now notice the miracle. The miracle of it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned he that believes on Jesus is not condemned but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten of the Father there's the miracle only believe all things are possible, only believe. Now here's an illustration of the miracle. Here's a chair. I believe that chair can hold me. I'm sure it can hold me. But it doesn't hold me as long as I think it can. Now I come out here and stand in front of it. I'm sure that chair can hold me. I, I've seen it hold other people. But it will not hold me until I put my weight upon it. And then it holds me. I believe, and my belief is active. I invest my trust in this chair, and it holds me. Now, God says that's what salvation is. When you come to Jesus, and you put your trust in Him, you believe upon Him as your sin-bearer, your Savior, and you come and just rest in Him. He forgives you. He saves you. And you go out of this place saved, with your name written in heaven and on your way to heaven. God's child by faith. That's the miracle of the new birth. Not by might, nor by power, 
but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's how we get saved. During the awful Civil War, there was a boy dying on a battlefield in Arkansas. The man in charge came through the barracks and saw the boy. He realized the boy couldn't live long. That boy looked up and said, Sir, would you tell me how to die? I'm going to die. And that sergeant looked down at him and snarled, Go to bed. Close your eyes. You're going to be okay. He walked on down. After a little while, the sergeant came back by and that private looked up at him again and said, Oh, sir, I'm going to die. And I don't know how to die. And I don't know how to meet God. Would you tell me how to die? The sergeant said, Close your eyes. Go to sleep. You're going to be okay. He walked on down. After a while, he came back. He noticed the boy was weaker. And that boy called out again, Oh, sir, I'm going to die. Won't you tell me, please, how to die? Something in that old sergeant's heart was moved, and he sat down by the bunk. He said, Now, listen, boy, I want to tell you that I don't believe any of the thing I'm going to tell you. I've lived a wicked life, but I had a mother that taught me a verse of Scripture. It's from the Bible, somewhere in the Bible. And it goes like this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that private began to quote it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The sergeant said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the boy said, should not perish. Whosoever believeth should not perish. Oh, he said, Sergeant, it works. It works. I believe in him. I believe in him. And he closed his eyes in death. Just like that. You can believe on Jesus too. Just like that. It is an instantaneous experience. You may have come to this place today a church member, a good moral person, but not sure you're going to heaven. Why not right now put your trust in Jesus? Believe upon him as your Savior, your Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. May we pray. Every head bowed and our eyes closed a moment. Our Father, we thank thee that Jesus is the answer to every need in our life. We pray that just now, somebody who came to this place without Christ will open his heart to Jesus, will receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
God grant that for thy glory. We pray that some man, some woman, some young person, some university student, some junior boy or girl, some teenager would come and say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior. In Christ's name, amen. May we stand, please. We're going to sing God's invitation as we sing in just a moment. I would like to ask those of you who mean business with Christ, who are willing to say, I need Jesus. I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. And I want to receive you as my Savior and Lord right now. Would you come? And just come say, I want to give my heart to Christ today the best way I know how. I want to be born again. I want Jesus in my life, in my heart. Would you do that? God help you to do it for Christ's sake. Now you may already be a church member, but have you been born again? Have you been saved? That's the question. You may be a good moral person, but have you been born again? Have you been born into God's family? Some of you may have trusted Jesus before you came to this place today. What you need to do is to come and take a stand for the Lord. Just step out in the aisle and say, I want Jesus as my own personal Savior, Lord. I want to confess him. I've received him in my heart. I want to confess him. I want everybody to know it. Some of you need to move your church letter to this church. Come saying, by the grace of God, I want to take a stand for God at this place. While we begin to sing, who will come giving your heart to Jesus today? God help you to do it while we sing.